Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias, and I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. 2024 is the year of broccoli for me. And I, I think I mentioned the challenge. Uh, it, it's been surprisingly challenging for me to eat more vegetables. So last year it was tomato. I progressed with that <laughs> fairly well. Salad is great. Cucumber, the usual suspects, not a problem. But broccoli and other what I like to call the hardcore veggies, like the real stuff, <laughs> the super green stuff, uh, that's been tough. So I figured during the, the lengthy holidays between Christmas and, and New Year's, I figured let me go in this bit by bit. So I'm gradually introducing more and more broccoli during lunch and dinner. And I mentioned this to my wife, and now every day for lunch and dinner, we have something with broccoli. So I've had steamed broccoli for about 10 times this year, and I'm I'm getting into it. I, I wouldn't say I love it, but it's it's not too bad. So let's see how this goes. <laughs> I mean, it goes in line with your healthy trend, right? You're setting a, a, a pretty high milestone for going to the gym and staying healthy in general. So I think this is good. It's a good milestone because I, I found a recipe the other day for just broccoli where they deep fry it. You make some kind of pastry or whatever on it, and then you deep fry it in oil for 10 minutes, and then it comes out, you know, juicy and crunchy at the same time. Like that's not really the health trend. Uh, but I did find one just to give you an idea of what you can do with it. Put some breadcrumbs on it and, you know, some, you know, whatever kind of uh, soy sauce or some wook sauce or something like that, and then in the air fryer. It's, it's healthy and it's a little bit more crisp. You get some crunch, uh, but we're not here to talk about the recipes. We are here to talk about what I've been up to lately as well. And I've been up to Tetris, which is an amazing game uh, that I forgot about you know, entirely, which is funny because I grew up with it. I noticed that there's a new movie about the Tetris game. It looks really interesting, so I'm going to have to watch that one. If you did grow up with Tetris, uh, you know, one way or the other, like I did in the early PC versions when it came, you may find this an interesting movie. I haven't seen it yet, um, the actual movie, uh, movie, but I did dwell into some online interviews with the two brains behind it. So the creator, the developer, and the business enabler. So they're both part of the movie as well. Uh, I'm going to put the links to the YouTube clicks, clips that I found in the show notes. So if you are interested in some history around Tetris, those clips are really relevant because it's by the actual creators of Tetris. I thought Tetris was like 3,000 years old, so I didn't think they were still alive, but obviously they are, uh, which makes it all the more fun. So yeah, I'm going to put the links in. It's it's really going to be an awesome movie to watch. Good stuff. I, I haven't seen the movie. I, I know about it. But it's sort of on my backlog. But I will, I will sort of upgrade that. I will watch the movie, eat some broccoli, enjoy life, think about Toby. That will be great. <laughs> so uh, today's episode is is exploring the updated Azure Well Architecture Framework with Dom Allen. And just ahead of Microsoft Ignite 2023, I recall Toby that perhaps you mentioned that the Microsoft Azure Well Architected Framework is going to get a major update. And it is fairly significant, and I was sort of expecting, oh, a major update, perhaps they changed the title here and there. <laughs> and then when I went to aka.ms slash WAF, I was like, hold on, this looks totally different. So we figured, let's dive into that for a bit. 
And for that, we have a special guest today, Dom Allen, a principal program manager in the Skilling Org at Microsoft. Welcome, Dom. Can you share a few words about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. So, like I said, I'm a principal program manager in Microsoft, specifically in the Skilling Org. And the Skilling Org is what runs things like the Learn platform, so what used to be docs.microsoft.com, which is now learn.microsoft.com. And on there is all of the technical documentation, training content, uh, and the content that we look after, which is uh, the Cloud Adoption Framework, the Well Architected Framework, and Azure Architecture Center. That's awesome. For me, I sometimes still casually say Microsoft Docs, I mean Microsoft Learn, but not the learning platform, the document side of that with WAF <laughs> and everything else. Uh, okay, let's let's warm up a bit on this. And Toby, I also know you've memorized everything in Well Architecture Framework, so we can do a quiz on, on that as well. But for somebody listening on this and perhaps not too familiar with this, so there's something called the Azure PNP. So PNP always takes me to the Microsoft PNP stuff, but there's also Azure PNP and the Well Architected Framework. Dom, can you sort of walk us through what what are these and why should you care about any of this? Yeah, that's a really good question. So uh, Azure Patterns and Practices is the kind of collective term that we use when we talk about all of the opinionated guidance that we put together to help customers be successful on their journey to Azure and using Azure. So the first part of that is the cloud adoption framework, which is, as the name suggests, it's the kind of approach for how you do start to finish the, the journey towards getting to and using Azure. So that's building strategy, putting the plan together, putting something like a landing zone in place, thinking about how you're going to migrate or innovate or modernize applications in the cloud, and then all of the operational elements of governance, management, and security. Think of that as the kind of the top level story, the spine of the of the journey. The Azure Well Architected Framework is one step down in terms of more technically specific, and it focuses on the guidance that we give to workload teams, workload owners, architects, the engineers that operate them. And what Well, well Architected focuses on is what's the design process? What's the kind of the thinking that needs to go into building a great workload and then optimizing it through those kind of continuous improvement concepts? And then the third level, the most uh, technically specific of all three of them is the Azure Architecture Center. And that's where you'll find the solution ideas, the reference architectures that are based on the guidance in Well Architected, or in some cases like the Azure Landing Zone, tie back to the Cloud Adoption Framework guidance as well. And the really important thing of all the intention with all of this is that it connects together to provide one journey for the customer, whether we're talking to business decision makers, IT decision makers, the centralized teams, they're the more focus of CAF, workload teams for well architected, and then the implementers and engineers that are doing the implementation. That's really the focus of Azure Architecture Center, but all of it's meant to connect together so that every part of the business finds what they need in, in best practice guidance. So I, I have a couple of questions on that um, because this is this is all really interesting. And and one thing that you mentioned is workload. The word workload comes up a couple of times. There's workload teams. You have workload workloads. You deploy and design workloads. Can we just define what that is? What is a workload? And that's a really good question because it is used subtly differently across the industry. Um, so in the term in 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 the context of the 
patterns and practices guidance and specifically the well architecture framework we've got a pretty crisp definition of what a workload is and i'm going to quote this directly from WAF because it's the easiest way to do it so the term workload refers to a collection of application resources the data and the supporting infrastructure that function together to achieve a defined business outcome and that's a really important point the last part of that sentence because really with everything we do when we talk about workloads it's tying it back to business requirements so building technology is cool, but it's only really powerful when it helps the business do something. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I, I think that it's really good to level set what that definition yes. actually means. And if you're listening in and you're like, hey, hold on, what was that? You can just rewind and you can play it again, because I think that summarizes it pretty well. Definitely. Um, so looking at like high level CAF, we talked about um, uh, WAF, sorry, in in a couple of episodes in the past. And again, WAF is the well-architected framework, not the web application firewall that <laughs> um, we've had that discussion a couple of times. Um, we did talk about that in, in this show as well a couple of times. So we're not going to jump now into each pillar in detail today, but uh, we would love to understand kind of what are the big changes here? Because we, we just mentioned that WAF went through a major or a significant update. There's a lot of new stuff in there. It's maybe structured in a different way. Like, uh, can you share a little bit about what's new now that we need to understand with this kind of content refresh for the well-architected framework and why would i care like what is what is the benefit of this major update yeah so i think the, the first part to start with is the bit that's closest to my day-to-day -day and my role so i focus on we look at these things as being as being a product so azure patterns and practices CAF, WAF, AAC, they are products content products for us so we think about them as the who who the audience are what the narrative is. So the, the first kind of fundamental change that we've worked through over the last year or so is really coming back to the first principles of what what is the intention of these sets of guidance. So with the Well Architected Refresh, we really focused on what the primary audience and the primary objective is of the guidance. And that's fundamentally focusing on workload teams. So what do workload teams need to think about? Where do they need guidance? Where, how should we help them get to a kind of great outcome and really be very intentional about keeping the guidance grounded in those use cases in those teams. So we talk to the workload owner and we know that a workload owner is the interface between the technical teams and the business, for example. So how do they convert business requirements into technical outcomes? So you'll see that flowing through things like the principles and the kind of the high level concepts in well architected framework. But also, it's it needs to be a design thinking process. You know, the, we, as we all know, uh, and you guys more than me, that the the process of creating an architecture is a series of decisions. It's thinking and its decisions and its trade offs. So we want to make sure that the well architected framework guides people through that. So you'll see in all of the content, specifically in each of the pillars, that it's structured from top to bottom of a set of principles that takes you into a checklist and a set of recommendations that have trade-offs as well. And that really reflects the fact that it's intended to be the start to finish process of how you arrive at a great architecture that does what the business needs it to do. And ultimately, this all leads to the, the concept that you know we think about, which is how do we help organizations get to and maintain a state of well-architected for a workload? Because we all know that once you build the architecture, once you implement the solution, that's not the job done. You've got to keep it under review. You've got to continually improve it. 
We all know that Azure continues to release great new features. The business requirements may change. So it's that CI/CD process of continually refining, continually improving. And that's the other side of the well-architected framework. The guidance is a design process to design and, and get to the, the, the state of being ready to implement. But it's about continually coming back, reviewing the guidance, refining what you've got to make to get full value out of Azure and the services that are there. Okay, this this is great because I'm I'm looking at the well architected framework now and the pillars we've talked about those a couple of times and those are the ones I gravitate back to whenever I need to think through something I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. And I I know about the the workloads in there, but now what I'm seeing there is the service guides. And I, I feel this is like a new bits and I click on, for example, virtual machines, there's virtual machine security, and, and it's a fairly condensed list of stuff, design checklist for virtual machines in terms of security. And it's it's six bullet points. Is, is the whole service guide approach, is this something new or have I just missed this for a couple of years already now? It's It's been there for a little while. But it got a big refresh as part of the well architected refresh, and it will continue to be expanded and and refined over time. But it's actually a a really important point in the overall story. So, in in the same way that the cloud adoption framework connects into the well architected framework in terms of levels of technical specificity specificity and what you're focusing on for that particular team, the connection between information at an architectural level in the well architected framework and Product documentation is also a really important one for us. So we know that the, the the kind of core use case of people looking at well architected is just looking for general architectural guidance. How do I think about reliability? How should I think about you know operational excellence? Those kind of topics. But inevitably, as you start to pull together your architecture, you're going to start thinking about the services that are going to compose that solution, that architecture. So with the service guides, what we're doing is starting to bring together the thinking as you start to select individual Azure services to be part of your architecture. What are the design decisions and considerations that you need to be aware of when choosing those services? So what you'll see in there is how you could think about reliability for a given service. And you'll start to see the kind of the golden recommendations per service. But what these service guides are very much not intended to do is replace product documentation because we have, a, as everybody knows on the Learn platform, a wealth of amazing product docs that teach you how services work and the, the you know, approach to using those individual services. So really what we're doing with the service guides is creating that connection point between architectural guidance and service-specific information that then guides you out to that deeper, richer product documentation. This is this is really good stuff. We'll make sure to put put the uh, links in the show notes for VAF as as well as the service guides and the workloads as well. So so for me, WAF has often felt like the best practices guidance from Microsoft. You meet up with a customer, you're thinking of some super specific intra ID deployment thingy, and then somebody in the meeting says, "Yeah, but what's the best practice for our unique situation?" And VAF for me is the place where I go to to try and find something to support the design choices mm-hmm. that we are about to make. But is is this also how you see VAF internally at Microsoft as well? Is this guidance that you also use when you're thinking about, well, how should we do this or that? So 
the, the the point around kind of super specific recommendations and and that uh, example of Entra, we we don't really think of WAF as being that deep intentionally. And to the point of the well architected guidance connecting to the well architected service guides, the product documentation, that's a journey through specificity as well. Where actually what we want to do is help customers work through the design process in WAF and then guide them into the product documentation. Let's take Entra as the example, where in that Entra product documentation, you'll find the super specific information about Entra to make that decision. So the way we see it is it's kind of part of a hub and spoke model of, of, of guidance where we're going to go from the general considerations that everybody should take and the thinking that everybody should go through and then help you navigate through to the really specific information that's going to be inevitably down to either the service or the feature of the service level which is what you'll find in product docs all right i think this is this is really awesome um i, I think that is it's a good distinction as well and good clarification one thing that pops to my mind is uh, also, as I guide through the new WAF a little bit, there's something called cross-cutting guides. You have a health model, and then you have implementing recommendations, uh, because that's really where things become tangible, and it's like, this is how you actually can take action. Where are you on your well-architected journey? How well-architected are you, actually? Uh, and it touches on the uh, the assessment, because there is a, a well-architected review, like a, a WAF assessment, uh, so we have talked about assessments on the show previously, and with the WAF refresh, there's an accompanying kind of assessment for doing the uh, the WAF review as well. So if I if I asked you if you were to sell me the assessment uh, for someone who doesn't know what that is, because every now and then we we stumble uh, on folks who have no idea what an assessment is, and that there's actually an assessment platform at Microsoft where there's a bunch of different assessments for evaluating stuff. If you were to kind of sell the WAF assessment to me, uh, you know, what is it and why would I care about doing this type of assessment? Yeah, so the assessment platform in general serves a couple of purposes, really. It's the first one is it's an experience that enables you to, we know that there's a huge amount of content on Learn. Every kind of topic is is really well catered for and well served, but that can make finding the specific information based on your scenario quite tricky. So one way that assessments in general are used is a kind of choose your own adventure style. I'm going to select this option, which is going to guide me to page 34 and then on and on and on. So what you can use it for is almost like an interactive table of contents, because based on the questions that it gives you and the answers that you give, you'll get recommendations off the back of it, which are nine times out of 10 are pages on learn. So depending on your specific requirements and the the way that you're guided through those questions you can get a really nice curated set of links in learn that you can go read to research the topic that you're looking for in a bit more detail in the specific example of the well architected review it's a little bit deeper than that because it's very closely mapped and the team did a phenomenal job as part of the refresh mapping it very closely to the updated guidance in the well architected framework which means that the well-architected review is a really good tool for organizations to use to either assess through the design process the topics that they should focus on a little bit more because it will give you a you know, red, amber, green maturity status based on your answers about topics that you may need to talk about more inside your organization. And it will give you links to guidance in 
well architected and other places on learn to help support that but it's also a really good tool because of the milestone feature in an assessment you can rerun the assessment multiple times and your answers will change the recommendations over time so it's a really good way of revisiting decisions you've made or architectures that if you imp you've implemented to review some of the design decisions and get either the same guidance as previously or updated guidance based on your answers to help you continually review those uh, workloads. So it's a really powerful tool for discovering information, but also just kind of checking your own thinking and checking your own uh, thought processes. I, I really like this. Uh, I did click on download as PDF for the current version of, of, of WAF. So it's about 1100 pages. I, I couldn't say that I've read it all, but I've at least skimmed it all and memorized some bits and pieces here and there. But if somebody's reading it now, perhaps as a PDF or directly online, and they find something they sort of disagree with, or they feel mm, maybe this would require a bit of editing or a bit of updates. I realize there's an edit button. It takes you to GitHub. So it's the process that if I want to propose an edit, I'll just do a pull request and somebody will assess that. And perhaps that gets integrated as part of the documentation. Yeah, you can do it through a couple of ways. You can use um, GitHub issues to give feedback, or you can, as you say, you can submit a, a pull request. And there's a team um, of phenomenal content writers and program managers that look at the content uh, on the back end and continue to review that feedback and review those suggestions. And that's that's really that's a really important point, actually, that all of the patterns and practices guidance is not solely just the team in Microsoft saying this is what we think. It's a re it's, it should be a reflection of how customers are being successful, the lessons that are being learned in conjunction with the teams in the field, in conjunction with Microsoft partners, because this isn't meant to be a one and done. This is a set of best practices. This continues to evolve and continues to be refined based on uh, people's experience. So that kind of feedback and those suggestions are always really, really welcome. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point to make as well, that the, the guidance is really rooted in the experiences of like proven customer deployments, proven projects, proven designs, proven architectures. So it's not like, here's a great idea that we think is great, but it's more, this is actually something that's been deployed. It's been designed this way for a reason. It's been in production with, you know, several customers. Um, so I think that's a, it's a good takeaway. When I learned that, that was, you know, that builds trust with me and, and the content as well when I read it, because I know it's someone didn't sit in their own chamber and kind of cooked it up. It's guidance that is actually proven and has been, uh, you know, proven over time. Um, and just a reflection on what you mentioned with the assessment. I really like this, what you mentioned that the assessment is kind of a reflection of the TOC with the update. Because oftentimes when you see something like this, now just you just mentioned if you print it out as a PDF, you get 1,100 pages. Like nobody's going to read this page to page. Like the service guides, like for a million different services, there's there's going to be a service guide. Nobody can read that page to page uh, or, or nobody's going to have time or, or want to do that. I really love how the assessments now becomes your entry point as well sometimes where you where you say, let's evaluate how mature we are as a business or as a team and also how well we have you know made some of our decisions and you can just iterate on specific sections or you know all up everything well architected 
And that gives you the entry point saying, actually, you've figured all these things out. According to your own answers, you've figured all these things out. But here's a couple of gaps. So it's kind of a gap analysis to me. That's that's how I used it in the past as well. Prior to my, my current job, I, I used the, uh, the assessments. And I really love it as a gap analysis. Like, where's the gaps? Can you help me identify gaps? So it's like a self-service tool for me as a customer to go in and say, let me know where I need to start. Because when you have this amount of content, you don't start at a landing page and then just kind of browse through it and try to figure things out. But when you go get those kind of direct questions saying, have you thought about this question mark? Yes, no, or whatever the answers might be, that will then tell you this is what you need to think about. I, I really like that. Yeah, and it's the same with, you know, the, the Well Architected Guidance and Azure Advisor are kind of two two sides of the same coin in terms of Well Architected is focused on designing and optimizing the kind of the architecture. And Azure Advisor is the the kind of continuously reviewing and improving the implementation. And as the assessment kind of sits alongside advisor, sorry, it sits alongside the well-architected, just like advisor does for the kind of implementation side of things to help you continue to think about and continue to, to refine the decisions you've made, like I say, with those milestone features. So it's all part of the same toolkit. And this is really the mission statement with everything that we publish in. CAFWAF and AAC, of, it's just meant to be that toolkit to help customers be successful. One of the things that I sometimes forget exists in, in WAF is the workloads. And I, I recall back in the day when workloads were added, it was stuff that I didn't really care that much about, like SAP and industrial IoT. And and this one day I was browsing for something on an A, AVD, Azure Virtual Desktop deployment. And I realized, hold on, WAF has under workloads, it does have AVD recommendations. And sort of my expectation was something super bare bones, like, yeah, I'll click next on Azure portal and just spin it up and, <laughs> and you're good to go. But then I started reading it and there's stuff like, how do you integrate AVD with the landing zone in an enterprise setting? And that was exactly what I needed for that design at, at the time. And what I sort of appreciate with WAF compared to, as you said, with Microsoft Learn and the product guidance is that this sort of gives me the essentials and then I can open another tab and go and learn about stuff. How do I actually do this in a tutorial or in a, in a learning module, but I can actually get the big picture. What's relevant when I'm working with this workload? And that I feel is perhaps the last four bits how I see yeah. WAF as, as operating. Exactly. So, you know, we're going from the big picture, the macro view with the, the pillars and the kind of the high level principles, and then just continuing to narrow in on the the workload you want to use and then the service you want to use. And then we'll give you product documentation to help. Now that you've made that decision, you've made that design choice, we'll guide you into the more specific and the more specific. So it is all about the customer experience, a customer journey and providing the right information at the right level um, throughout their journey. Good stuff. Um, I'm super satisfied with all aspects of WAF and I'm sort of energized again that during the upcoming weekend, I will go and read a, a bit here and there because I need to learn more. Toby, any thoughts uh, on WAF that we didn't really cover yet? 
Nothing that strikes me top of mind. I, I think for anyone who didn't use WAF in their Azure line of business yet, take a look at it. It does align well with the Azure Advisor, which I think everyone working in Azure one way or the other is familiar with, because you, you'll see that the five kind of areas of Azure Advisors, that's the same pillars you have in WAF, right? So so I think that's it is going to be familiar stuff in there, and the recommendations will help you improve your score in Azure Advisor as well. So I think that is a, for me, that's a, a, a main takeaway. Always look to improve your scores. Always look to make things secure, reliable, cost optimized, and, and you know, things like that. And, and WAF will help you do that. I love WAF. I used it a lot uh, in my past. It's it's really good because um, with this refresh, I took a look and it's super clean. It's very simple to understand where to go. So we'll, we'll put the link to uh, WAF in the show notes. Uh, I'll obviously put the link to the Tetris uh, video clips as well. The most important takeaway for me today. Uh, but other than that, no no specific things that stand out that I feel is missing. Good stuff. The last bit we have is the unexpected question for Dom. And Toby, I think you've cooked a great question we can close the episode with. Right. So I, I found a question here. Um, because obviously this is something I really need to to learn about, Dom. Uh, if you had to choose a mode of transportation that perfectly matches your personality, what would that be and why? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give a really boring answer. I would choose walking. So, Tobias, you and I talk about this quite a lot. I am big into kind of taking a break, getting away from the screen, mental health, kind of, you know, bringing clarity to to thinking. So definitely walking because it is how I go and solve the questions that are in my head for a given problem or just getting a break and kind of getting out and stretching my legs, listening to a podcast. So, yeah, would thoroughly say walking because I, I think if I, when, the, when the weather's bad and I can't get out and it's raining or whatever and I can't get out for a walk, I can feel it. I can feel the brain fog. So 100% walking. That's a great answer. I when I when I wrote this, um, I was thinking about a, a vehicle. I, like in my mind, I didn't have even have. Hey, you can use your own body to walk. You know, I was thinking like a rocket ship or a UFO or a, a bicycle or something like that. But walking, I think, may be the best answer to this question. Yeah, no, I used to. Uh, sorry, go on. You see. That that's that's a surprisingly great answer because when you said you're going to be boring, I was thinking like a V8 pickup truck. That's that's <laughs> the most fresh for I'm like, hold on. I used to uh, I used to work in central London and uh, I used to run a little engineering group and you'd spend all morning in kind of sprint planning and backlog planning and, and all that stuff. And you'd never to be left with a couple of decisions that you needed to make and things that you need to think about. And once I just decided I'm going to go and walk down the south bank of the Thames and I did it. And I came back and said, I think this is what we should do. And then from there on in, it formed part of our planning process that we'd go through the backlog and we'd come up with the decisions we need to make. And then as a group, we'd just go for a walk, grab a coffee and walk down the south side of the Thames and talk about it and figure it out. So, yeah, the just the the, the benefits of getting out for a walk are huge for me. This is great stuff. Thank you, Dom, for joining us. And thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next week. All right. See you then. 